1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: A whole lot better than that, that's for sure. Uh, There's so many things going on, like I said, in the world of sports, not the least of which is, you know, and it's unfortunate because there are a lot of great stories out there, a lot of positive stories. Uh, Unfortunately, we're sort of left to dwell on on the guys who go the other way, the knuckleheads. And I'm completely struck by this Urban Meyer story and um, uh, what has transpired over the course of the last 72 hours or so. Just a remarkable lapse in judgment. And and I think judgment's a really important word in this year too because I don't think you can be a good leader. I, I, I think with an, an essential part of leadership is judgment is having quality judgment. And it doesn't always have to be spot on. You're never going to be right 100% of the time. But you, by and large, have to exercise good judgment at almost every turn. And not only was this just an incredibly poor, uh incredible lapse of judgment by Urban Meyer, Um, it's in, it's in keeping with what's going on with the guy for the last six months. And I'm going to get to that in just a sec. But let's, first of all, Don, let's... I want to make sure I reset this in terms of what happened this weekend um, so that, you know, we can put it in the context again of what's happened in the last several months for this guy. So uh, the Jaguars played the Bengals on Thursday night, Thursday night football. Okay, um, they lose the game. Played pretty well, actually, surprisingly well, but uh, they ended up losing the game to the Bengals. Urban Myers, most people know, is uh, from Ohio, and he decided to stay behind. Uh, and that, you know, did not take the team flight home because he had some family issues to go to, to to address. Rule number one, okay, I've been a head coach before. Rule number one, always take the team bus or flight home. Nothing good ever happens from sticking around. Also, those guys, especially after a loss, need you need to know you are with them in a situation like that. Staying behind does nobody any good. Well, now you get to an event over the weekend where apparently Meyer was out to dinner. And I think initially he was out to dinner with family. Um, He was sort of engaged by a, by folks at another table in Ohio. Everybody knows who this guy is. He was at Ohio state. Uh, I think he was at Bowling green. I think that's where he um, initially started, but He's a big name there. And I mean, sports fans know who the guy is, whether he's in Ohio or Nebraska, for that matter. So he's kind of engaged by this other table. I think eventually his family leaves. He decides to have a couple of drinks with the folks from the other table. Then all of a sudden, you know, later on in the night, he's got – and, Don, this is a technical term. You tell me if I'm wrong or not, okay? He's got a pretty hot blonde dancing in his lap, true or false? <laughs>
3: Very true. Very technical indeed. <laughs>
2: okay. Okay. So she's kind of, you know, bouncing up on him a little bit. And it looks like it looks like he might be, on the one hand, maybe trying to hold her off a little bit. But he, he could have walked out of there at any time. And he could have said, hey, knock it off. Well, memo to Urban, pretty much everybody in America has a cell phone. And pretty much every one of those cell phones has a camera. So guess what? That stuff hit hit went viral in a nanosecond. Urban getting basically danced up on in this Ohio bar, and he doesn't look like he gives a damn to me. I mean, he's enjoying the attention, and I, you know, I mean, women, women are undefeated. You know, I mean, it's it's. I mean, when they, I mean, in a situation like that, and I, you know, I guess it's an alcohol thing. I don't know, but. But he looked like a complete fool. So now everything goes viral. He has to explain that, you know, his team goes home reeling from the loss. And what do they see when they get home? Is they can see Urban getting twerked on, basically, right? So this, okay, this happened this weekend. Let's go over what's happened over the course of the last six months under Urban's watch for Jacksonville. He hired Chris Doyle as the team's director of sports performance. Doyle was accused of making racist comments and belittling players during his time at Iowa. After heavy backlash, Doyle resigned from the Jaguars. Next, he signed Tim Tebow as a tight end, a move widely ridiculed in the Jags locker room. Then he drafted a running back in the first round, Travis Etienne, good player from Clemson for sure. But he's already got James Robinson on the roster. Very good running back there. And this is a team that had so many, so many needs. He told reporters that they cut players due to their vaccine status. The NFL opened an investigation to those comments. Now, I'm going to give him this. I think there are a lot of coaches that made decisions at the back end of the roster based on vaccine status. But nobody said anything about it. You're not supposed to, you know, you, you can't use your outdoor voice in a situation like that. So he gets in deep kimchi from the Players Association, as he should have been. He also had an open competition for the starting quarterback between first number one, oh, no, the number one, number one Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. Minshew was traded a few weeks later, but he still split valuable first team reps with Lawrence, which of course slowed the development. He traded away last year's number nine overall pick. The team starts 0-4, and then what happened this weekend happened. So, you know, one time, yeah, maybe that's bad judgment. Two times, you know what? Two, three, four, those, that's that's just a trend. That's who this guy is. And maybe it is that he needs to to operate in the cocoon of a college football program where they protect you at every turn. He was at Ohio State. You know, uh, you know, and, and also maybe his style, because it's pretty clear from the comments, the chirping coming out of that Jaguars locker room, and Don, you've probably seen some of this, he lost that locker room a while ago. There is no love for, for Coach Meyer in that locker room.
3: Yeah, yeah, and he was um, and we have some sound if you want to run it of uh, Urban. He was, you know, asked about it, everything, and you know, losing the locker room and things like that, and he gave some thoughts. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's it's been floating around for sure. So yeah, we can definitely get into that. Yeah,
2: I mean, I I just you got to go a long way to recoup locker room in a situation like that. You got it.
1: Are you concerned at all that this uh, whole distraction is going to impact how you can lead guys or how you have to lead guys differently if maybe somebody has a a similar kind of uh, distraction during the year?
4: I am concerned about that. I have a very good relationship with our players. Um, I've dealt with this, not on the other side, but with staff members and with other things, and I've dealt with it, you know. So the same concern, yeah, I am concerned, but uh, I just got to, you know, Do right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, my guess is he's going to be somewhere else by Thanksgiving. I I just think that when you are four and zero, or when you're when you're two and two, guys can circle the wagons for you when they're zero and four. And you know what? I watched them on Thursday night. Don' they're not without talent. You know they got some holes, but they're not without some talent. They've got a couple of decent receivers. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a nice player. Obviously, Robinson is legit as a running back but ultimately too you want guys
3: who are going to play for you
2: i'm not sure they're going to play for him at this point in time
3: yeah like you said the talent is definitely there but and you would know as good as anybody you got to secure the locker room you know and just everything that you just ran the list of does not secure that whatsoever he's showing that like you said maybe he does need to be back in a college style where he's more in a cocoon cuz being in this more national spotlight in the NFL doesn't seem to be working yet
2: well also when you're in a college situation like where like if you're at Florida where he was or if you're at Ohio State those situations recruit themselves you're not recruiting players in the pros and so it's a it's a little different animal maybe he needs to be in a situation where where all that talent is brought to him but um I, I just I got to thinking about it again put it in the context of, of that old line about the uh, what the Supreme Court said about uh, um, you know, about pornography, just that you, sometimes you it's hard to articulate exactly what leadership is, but you know it when you see it. And conversely, you know it when it's not there. You recognize it when there's a complete dereliction of your responsibility and judgment. And that's what we're seeing from Meyer in real time. I, I mean, it, it's stark what's going on there in the last three or four months. And I, I, it's it's not just Urban Meyer. You know, one of the things that concerns me, and, and we'll get to this a little bit later on because we're kind of up against a break here in a couple minutes, but I feel the same way about Kyrie Irving. I feel like he's a vice president of the NBA Players Association and he won't get vaccinated in a state where it's mandatory and state and the courts have ruled that private businesses can be required you know, I mean, it's up to ownership. It's up to the organization to require it. It's like drug testing. If they can require drug testing, they were they can require vaccines. So what's going to happen? And and the fact that he's he has dragged his feet so long on the vaccine, first of all, it looks like if he doesn't get the vaccine, he's not going to be able to play in home games, not going to be able to practice at home. And in the words of Enos Cantor, Boston Celtic, he came out and he said, What's the point? I thought we were here to win games and to and to get to NBA championships. If you're not going to play in half the games, especially he's got a super max deal. I mean, when you sign those those kinds of deals, your privacy—it ain't worth a damn. It's not. It doesn't mean anything. So you can't have it both ways. You you lost a lot of your privacy, or you lost all of that when you signed the super max deal. And I think also as a position. You know the fact that you're the VP of that of that NBA Players Association. I mean, it's you can't have it both ways. Uh, There's no such thing as a selfish leader. You can't have it. That's 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 not going to work. And I, I just, I it 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 also boggles the mind a little bit. And I know they're friends. I know they're pals. But guys need to change this. Adam Silver, the league needs to come out and say nope. As an organization, I get it, it's a star-based league. But somebody, David Stern is rolling over in his grave because right now somebody has to take the decision out of his hands. Say, nope, as, an organi- as a complete, as a league, we are doing this. And it floors me that other guys, I saw Cantor had some very pointed words for guys like LeBron, but this is as much a social issue as a lot of the things that LeBron comments on regularly. So speak up, speak up. This is all about leadership. This is all about judgment. And I, you know, people dog LeBron right and left. I love the fact that he's out there and that he's he'll be a, an activist. And I, I like that about him. I respect that about him. But this is another area where he needs to be an activist, and he's missing the boat on this. Just a thought. Hey, anybody wants to chime in, we're at 800-636-1067. We'll kick this around a little bit when we come back. But the whole Urban Meyer thing is such a debacle for that organization, for that franchise, uh, for those guys on the team uh, as well, and also, you know, by extension, certainly for the NFL. Hey, the show's over on 106.7, the Fan Odyssey app. I'm Chris Nagy, Don Hankerson with us, back in a few.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
4: tonight got a
2: lot going on in the world of sports mlb playoffs starting up here momentarily maybe kicking around some ideas about about leadership leadership kind of in the context of what's going on with the jacksonville jaguars urban myers had not just a horrific couple of days kind of had a horrific last quarter if you will last six months uh the the events of the last six months I've not been kind to Coach Meyer. we got a couple of callers, and we've got some phone lines open at 800-636-1067. Let's go to uh, Dennis in Virginia. What do you got, Dennis?
4: Hey, guys. Hey, Don. Thanks for taking my call. Um, look, I, I watched the video this morning. It's the first time I've seen this. Um, yep. But, but I mean, how, how ridiculous can you be? It's almost like Urban, when he left football, it's because he had a health issue, okay? I don't know if he's mismanaged his money or what. But that guy does not be, need to be a coach. He doesn't need to entertain the USC job. And if USC even thought about bringing him in as a coach, what a dumb dumb university that would be. That dude has lost it, <laughs> I, and I don't know what is. I don't know what's wrong with him.
2: Yeah, and I, I, is, I appreciate the call, Dennis. And I, I got to tell you, I w- Don, the way I describe the video, I don't think does justice to actually seeing it. Because when you see it, you're like. Because I have a bunch of friends who earlier today I'd sent a kind of a comical meme to them, Urban Meyer meme, and they're like, "What do you? What exactly are you referencing?" And I sent them the video, and and they're horrified by. I mean, what a moron! the 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 lapse of judgment is just it's remarkable for a public figure. Yeah, and and he is a. I mean, you know, like. Charles Barkley can say all he wants about the fact that I'm not a public figure. I'm not a. I don't don't have that responsibility. That's BS. Yes, you do, sorry, you do, and he does. Especially, he is a. He is the leader of a group of men of of. You know, uh, and that's just uh, unacceptable behavior for this guy.
3: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like you said in in twenty twenty one. You got to know there's phones everywhere, cameras everywhere, and you're a public figure. You know who you are. You got to be smarter than that. It yeah. just just doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah, it doesn't make it make any sense at all. Let's take this one step further because I was one of you know one of the amazing things to me about the NFL is the it's almost like it's. It's required of coaches the coach speak that you get after games. you know yeah well, you know we we played hard. We just you know what we gotta we gotta fix a few things. We'll be right back out there next week. big week ahead. you know let's get right back to practice on Tuesday, you know that sort of thing you get the same sort of a sort of a, a conversation after every game. Well, okay, on Sunday the uh, the Ravens go and play the Broncos. The Broncos had come into that game as a kind of a fraudulent three and they hadn't beaten anybody. And yet I know, cause I, most of my family's out in Colorado. I know that a lot of folks out there were ready to anoint them King Teddy Bridgewater. And you know, they were sure that this was the, this was the second coming of the orange crush and uh, Baltimore went out there and, and basically smacked him in the jaw. And they end up winning the game. I think the final score was 23-7. to 7. And I think that everybody's kind of aware of what happened over the course of the last possession or two after, after <clears throat> Denver had the ball in the last 30 seconds. They tried a couple of Hail Marys into the end zone. They end up giving the ball up on downs with three seconds left to Baltimore. Now, Baltimore was trying to protect a consecutive game streak where they had had 100 yards rushing. They're on the cusp of an NFL record for uh, consecutive 100-yard games. So Harbaugh, instead of taking John Harbaugh, the Ravens coach, instead of taking a knee, decides he's going to run Lamar Jackson around and just long enough to get the yards, get over 100, and then get out of bounds, which is exactly what happened. Well, Vic Fangio, the Broncos coach. Now, again, I'm going to keep this in context because – I'm sure that he had told his guys, much like Ron Rivera did the WFT guys going into the Buffalo game, this is a measuring stick game. This is something that's going to show us how good we are and, conversely, how good you're not. But in the context of that, when you look at it like that, um, they didn't measure up. So after the game, here is what Fangio had to say about Harbaugh running it instead of taking the knee in the last three seconds. Did you have a problem with the last play that Baltimore ran? Yeah, I thought it was kind of bullshit, but I expected it from them. You know, I've 37 years in pro ball, I've never seen anything like that. Stop it. But it was to be expected. Okay, wait, Don, you got it. To me, I've heard this thing a hundred times to date on Sports Talk Radio. So, wait a sec. You're telling me that in 37 years of pro coaching – that's the worst thing you've ever seen. Right. Get the <laughs> get out of here, GTFO. You you gotta be kidding me. Now I get. I, I he's salty, right? He's just salty because they got their asses kicked. Of course, and they, and they were the they were the big game on CBS. You know, I saw the. You know, uh, most of the, a lot of the country was tuned into the to the to the uh, Ravens Broncos. Oh yeah, and they got toyed with in the second half, particularly when Bridgewater went out of the game. So he's salty. I get that, but please don't put it in the context of in 37 years. That's the worst I've seen, dude. You've seen guys speared out there. Think all the carnage that you have seen on a
3: football field.
2: And that's what you're taking out of your 37 years at John Harbaugh. That's the worst thing I've ever seen.
3: Well, like you said, how you built it up, you know, with them being undefeated and, you know, their spirits are riding high. They just got their butts kicked. So definitely salty for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: So, so that's Vic Fangio grizzled 37 year old, you know, old dude, you know, rub some dirt into the injury. You're fine. Get over it. That type stuff. You have the John Harbaugh sound too. The response by John Harbaugh. Well, I I can I can paraphrase what John Harbaugh said. What's important to one team and one coach isn't necessarily important to the other. And he said it after the game, he said it in response to Vic Fangio, what is what's what is response, what is important to one is not necessarily important to the other. And and he was he would but also he took objection to to the Fangio line about the fact that this is who they are, as if to say the Ravens are thugs, always have been thugs, and that's who we knew they are. You got John Harbaugh? All right, let's go with it.
3: I mean, I thought we were on good terms. We had a nice chat before the game. Known each other for a long time, but I promise you, I'm not going to give that insult one second thought. That's what's meaningful. What's meaningful to us might not be meaningful to them. Their concerns are definitely not our concerns. And, uh, you know, we didn't expect to get the ball back, you know, but I'd already decided we decided that if we got the ball back, we were going to try to get the yards and we got it back with three seconds left. So you're throwing the ball in the end zone with 10 seconds left. I don't know that there's a 16-point touchdown that's going to be possible right there. So, you know, that didn't have anything to do with winning the game. So, like I said, what's meaningful to us might not be meaningful to them, and we're not going to concern ourselves with that. Did that kind of surprise you, though, based on the family history your family has with them? I don't. That doesn't. I never, I'm not thinking about it. It doesn't matter to me. I smell grilled
2: fangio with that comment. I thought Harbaugh represented it quite well and and very succinctly. I, you know, um, don't know where to start here, but Harbaugh, to me, Don, you could have heard it differently. I think Harbaugh took exception when he's talking about the insult. He's not talking about the play call because I think he recognizes that that some guys could could be pissed at that. I think what he's pissed at, if you play back Vic Fangio's first comments about that's who they are to me to me what he's doing is he's broad stroking a franchise you know a franchise the 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 Ray Lewis Ed Reed um you know the whole the whole thing and I I think that is uncalled for I think that's completely uncalled for because in the NFL and I'm not a Ravens guy but I got to tell you, in terms of in terms of the way they represent, the way they play, the way they compete, I don't know that there's a there's a franchise more consistent than those guys are in the in the NFL landscape. I mean, it's remarkable how good they've been, and how regularly they've been good.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm totally there with you. I'm. I think he was more insulted by the generalization, not necessarily just that specific play or what happened. I, it, I, he definitely I saw, generalized. I
2: read it. "thug" thugs in between those lines from from Vic Fangio, Correct. and I, And the other thing is too, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this out there because having played and coached, I don't think, I don't think his players gave a damn. And also, I think that I, I don't think they want Vic Fangio to die on this hill. I, I think they're thinking I, the game is over. We lost this game. That's not why we lost the game. You got to move on. We got a caller here. Let's go to uh, Phil in Virginia. Are you with us?
4: Yes, I am. Hey, Chris. Uh, you know, I know that uh, some people talk about this, but I, and I apologize if you guys haven't, but what is Urban Meyer doing, not on the team plane on a loss after the way home? <laughs> I mean, does anything say mercenary more than, oh, I'm going to go visit my grandkids after the game like I'm on some business trip? You know? That just blew me away. I mean, what does that say to the players on that team who are 0-4? And the, where's the coach? Oh, that, well, he said after.
2: That is, Phil, it's yeah. exactly what I said. It, it sends a, a message implicitly to those guys. Hey, you know what? You guys lost that game. You go wallow in your misery. You take that flight home. I'm just going to spend some time here, you know, with my, well, quote-unquote grandkids. I don't think that was his granddaughter who was uh, rubbing up on him. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. It sends a terrible message to the team. It, tell, it sends a terrible message about what's important to Urban Meyer as the leader of that franchise. I mean, it's just it, – it is such a debacle, and I, that's why I said he, he, he's got weeks left. I mean, he is uh, – he's on a short leash for sure. But
4: hey, we're, we're Yeah, off. and like the previous, what the previous caller said, if USC hires them, they're nuts. Absolutely off off the rocker.
2: Uh, well, don't you think that that ship has sailed? I don't know how you, I mean, you, you saw, Phil, you watched that video, right? I mean, uh, yeah. it, it's hard to watch that and think this guy, First, the first thing I thought about is I thought, oh, damn, he wants to get fired because <laughs> yeah. yeah that's just stupid i mean to think that you're in a open bar like a bar like that and you think that people aren't watching you uh, that's
4: so yeah he makes steve spurrier look like vince lombardi seriously well, i mean that is such he's a mercenary he's a mercenary and he's been exposed by yeah. social media
2: there you go phil gets the last word i like the uh i like that for sure um and i was a big fan of spurrier i got a chance to visit with him a couple of times personally and uh Hard not to like that guy for sure, but I I agree in terms of the level of commitment. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on, and I thank you thanks to Vic Fangio. He's kind of the gift that keeps on giving here, uh, and you, you I never get enough of the crusty old coach, old school mentality guys that just seem way wrong in this day and age to me. Just seem way out of way out of kilter. But hey, that's me. I'm Chris Naki, Don Hankerson with us. This is uh, Overtime on 1067, the fan and Odyssey app. Back on the other side of a couple of breaks. All right, it is Overtime. I'm Chris Nockey, listening to 1067, the fan, and, on, and we're also on the Odyssey app. Don Hankerson with me. Don, we were talking about the NFL at the quarter poll and every team at the quarter poll, and it, it just never ceases to amaze me, whether it's by. By design or divine intervention or what, how, how the NFL just seems to get everything right, and 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 here's what I mean. And now that's not to say that everything is perfect about it, but in terms of the competitive point part of the NFL, this year is just like I mean you can't script this any better. You've got okay, you've got these a handful of a young electric quarterbacks you know the future of the league you know murray jackson guys who were just must see tv right you've also got the guy the you know the, the aaron rodgers the tom brady the guys who you kind of have to stick uh, you know stick stick a fork in their heart to kill them cuz they just keep playing and keep playing and keep playing you 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 have these teams it used to be years ago and I know that the balance of power swings. You know, it shifts and it's cyclical. And you know, at one point in time, the NFL East, the NFC East, was the monster. You know, black and blue division. Just a, you know, a lot of big time heavyweight teams in there. Now you look out west and what's going on with, you know, the the, the western divisions out there. I mean, there's so many good football teams out there. So they, it's almost like. Again, you can't script it better than they've got it scripted. On top of that, they've got something that a lot of other leagues wish they had that um, that you you can't pay for. They've got small market teams who are killing it. The, you know, the whole revenue sharing, the way the 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 way major the NFL handles their revenue sharing, makes it possible that Buffalo and Green Bay, and, and Baltimore, that these teams can always be in the conversation every single year. And if you're a well-run organization, which Buffalo is now, which Green Bay seems, seems to always have been, Baltimore has always been a well-run organization, then you're going to be in the conversation with the rest of these teams. It, it never ceases to amaze me how in any given year. Now, every one of those teams is, is not without – Without their challenges, one one of the cool parts about it is is that, you know, for instance, Buffalo. You know, you you, nobody could have predicted. Everybody knows Josh Allen is a one, two, or three fantasy football quarterback. I mean, he's it's crazy. Puts up monopoly numbers every Sunday. Nobody could have predicted their defense would be as good as they have two shutouts in the last three weeks. But they're like everybody else. They're margin for error. You know, what happens if if Allen goes down to an injury and and this these are all what ifs that you have to you sort of have to noodle through because it does happen. I don't know if it's going to be Josh Allen or somebody else, but that's the way the NFL works is you lose guys and you have to be able to pivot. But but it's just in terms of the the synchronicity of the league don every year it just is it is it is it because of the design of the league is it because of the revenue sharing is it because of the fact that you're never really that far out of it. I mean, maybe in maybe the Lions are. Maybe the Jags are, especially this week. But I mean, everybody else right now, that's why, you know, also, and I hate to keep running over myself here. People were talking with the uh Falcons and the WFT game the other day about what a big game it was because neither team wanted to go one and three. And that speaks to the fact. Now, keep in mind that the Redskins and the Falcons, by virtually every power ranking, are in the bottom third of the league, by every one of them. And yet, they understand the sense of urgency that, you know, it's an opportunity to win a game like that keeps them in that conversation.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think, kind of, what you were saying before, like when you're kind of at week four, kind of, that's kind of the first quarter of the season the season i feel like that's really the measuring stick because to me there's a huge difference between 2 and 2 and 1 and 3 pretty much if you're 1 and 3 you can more or less say you're, you're i mean i won't say your season is over but it's it's trending towards that direction versus a 2 and 2 where 500 right now you still feel like you have a chance so i feel like like you were saying before you know, working in quarters like the NFL season seems to kind of do that, that first quarter this week four was definitely a good measuring stick for a lot of teams.
2: I, I you know, one of the things the league also has is they have, um, they have kept alive implicitly, and you don't hear anybody use the phrase anymore, but they've kind of kept alive that whole on any given Sunday thing or ethos, you know, um, and, 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 and by that, really what I'm looking at here, like, for instance, we all watched, and uh, Green Bay fans watched in horror that first weekend when the Saints just demolished them in Jacksonville. I mean, beat them like stepchildren. And and Aaron Rodgers was benched. I think in the last couple of minutes of that game, benched is the wrong term because there's no use and there's no reason to play him in a situation like that. But but uh, Jameis Winston looked like an all-world player. And you know, had a great game, running all over the field. The Saints looked like a team to beat, and then two weeks later, they lose to the New York Giants at home. You know, so so the 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 difference between all these teams, and and it's it's pretty clear that we've had some teams emerge, a couple of which we hadn't expected, but it's pretty clear that um you know really there's not a whole lot of difference sometimes between between some of these teams. I, I would suggest to you that the teams all around nine, 10, 11 in power rankings, you know, do you really want to play Kansas city in important in an important game? How about the Raiders? The Raiders are not a bad team. They, they, they came back out of the locker room. I was really impressed last night. Um, they were down big to the chargers and came out and played great to make that game a game last night. um, Chargers themselves. I mean, that's as talented an offense as you're going to see out there. They throw the ball over the field. And that head coach is legit. I mean, they are really well organized. They um, they seem to have a real good scheme to them on both sides of the ball. Defense is far better than I thought. So my point is this, is that the NFL just has it. They have it. And they will. it's a, the it's a reason why the, the ratings are what they are. It's the re- reason why sports talk radio shows like this Spend 75% of their time talking about the NFL because it's just, it's the king and it's not even close. Now that said, we got one more segment in the seven o'clock hour. Don and I want to talk some hoops. Wizards open up tonight while well, they don't open up for real. Okay. Kind of uh the live bullets start, I guess in another week or two, but they are in Houston tonight playing the Rockets in an exhibition game. We're going to talk a little bit about the off season they had, kind of the direction that franchise is going. And uh, got a lot to get to there. And on the other side of that, 8 o'clock hour, we'll get back to all things WFT. This is Overtime on 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app. Start me up, indeed. I love it. NBA starts tonight. Wizards in Houston taking on the Rockets' first preseason game. I'm Chris Naki. You're listening to overtime on 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app as well. Don Hankerson along with me. I got to spend a few minutes to talk about my boys, the Wiz. You know, uh, I know it's not popular this time of year because uh, we are so so uh, WFT centric. I get it, but again. Season starts tonight. Hope springs anew. Hope springs eternal. And um, it's going to be an interesting year for this this team, Don. I mean, you you they traded away Russell Westbrook, just an enormous part of the team and the personality of the team as well. But I'm impressed by the depth of talent that they got as a result of that move. I was in here on NBA draft night when they made that move, and again, that was one of those nights where I came walking in here thinking, gosh, I'm not sure what there's going to be to talk about, and then bang, like 30 minutes before the draft, we are like, wow, they pulled the trigger on this. They were able to get a wealth of players as a result of that trade, but it's a team that's got, and I don't know if they got enough to be able to leapfrog over the teams they need to leapfrog over, but to me, they're far more watchable maybe than they have in, in your, they have been in years past. And they've added guys. First of all, you get guys returning. Some guys returning. Thomas Bryant, who had turned into a very good player, especially on the offensive end. He's back from an ACL tear. Daniel Gafford, to me, was the most intriguing piece of the entire year last year. They picked him up from Chicago at the trade deadline. He gave them some terrific minutes down the stretch of the season. It's show-me years for a couple of young guys. Rui Hachimura, I don't know what's going on with him. Rui's out right now, and I, there's really been nothing public about what is going on there. Danny at Ad, Ad, Advia is uh Avdia is is got kind of a show me year coming up. Lost the second half of last year as well. How about spark Bertance? Two years ago, he was uh you know, he was lights out. Last year he was terrible. And if he's not making shots for you, he's not giving you anything else out there. But there's some intriguing pieces to this team um they've got 20 guys going to Houston tonight I'm sure some of these guys Spencer Dinwiddie Bradley Beal unlikely to see a whole lot of burn I would think but they've got some decisions to make and a pecking order to establish
3: yeah like you said I feel like this is probably one of the deepest teams the Wizards have probably had in a while like you said and you didn't even get into the new guys that came from the Westbrook trade but um and I'm sure you'll get to that. But yeah, even just the guys that are returning, we'll see what you know, what happens with them with a lot of those injuries as you alluded to. But I agree with you. It's a show me year for a lot of guys. We we paid like like Davis, we paid him a lot. He did, he kind of laid a goose egg last year. So I'm interested to see what he does. Definitely a show me year for a lot of guys. But in general, I think this team is probably one of the deepest we've had in a while.
2: I think it's gonna be an interesting year for a guy like Kyle Kuzma. And I and I'll tell you why. You know, first of all, he's a talented kid. I mean, he's a he's six ten. He's skilled. Uh, he plays a little bit inside out. Very athletic. Um, but he's out from under the thumb. I, I to me, one of the greatest things that you you know, greatest opportunities you could have is to play uh, with a guy like LeBron James or Kobe Bryant to play to be able to have one of those guys as a teammate. I mean, that's one of those things you tell your kids about and your grandkids about. But in terms of your development. Could he ever be the player that I hope he wants to be if he's playing in between AD and LeBron?
3: Well, one thing I'm hoping too is I know when he first came into the league, it was before LeBron got to the Lakers. He showed a lot of promise. I know he played well in, like, summer league and mm-hmm. a lot of those preseason games. I think games. he was the
2: MVP of that Vegas league his, his first was. year out. Yeah. yeah, he
3: was. So, you know, I would be interested to see if he can kind of go back to that old, you know, Kuzma that was first trying to develop uh, before LeBron got to the Lakers. So, like you said, now that he's up under the thumb, I want to see what he develops to. You
2: know, when you think about uh, where this team was, what, 24 months ago maybe? And – Salary cap hell they were in, given the super the the max that was given to John Wall making forty six mil I think this upcoming season, given where they were at that point in time and to where they have gotten to, uh, Tommy Shepard deserves a lot of credit. He and his staff. I know it's never just one guy that makes it makes decisions like that, but they have been able to very nimbly get out from underneath a, an albatross of a contract. Um, they were also able to, you know, Russell Westbrook served a purpose. He held our attention for a year, you know, and, and this, the second half he had last year, Don, was a pretty remarkable year. And I, I, I don't know that that's conducive to like winning a lot of basketball games, but as just a sports fan, a basketball fan. It's, it's compelling television and it's, it's a good watch for sure.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved him on the team. Like you said, it was essentially like a one-year rental, but I think just the attitude and the mentality he brought to the team, I think even just the one-year playing with Brad, I think that probably gave him a better mentality that he hopefully can bring to some of the younger guys on the team.
2: I'm going to throw you a curveball right now. Okay, you're the GM. I was watching PTI a week or two ago, and um, I I had to read the scroll. I was on a treadmill, so I was reading the scroll, but it was about uh, Ben Simmons. And uh, what, and uh, uh, the, you know, Ben Simmons being on the block, basically being out there. And they were talking over the likely candidates for Ben Simmons. Tony Kornheiser said, if I, and he's a Wizards fan, he's a local guy. He said, I think if you traded Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal, it would make the Wizards better than they were prior to the trade. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Ooh, you are putting me on the spot. I don't know about that one. Only because I'm looking at Brad. I guess I'm looking at the overall player. I'm looking at Brad as last year. I think he ended up being second in the league in scoring. Steph kind of outbeat him towards the end of the year. I'm just looking at him as more of an overall player versus, you know, Ben kind of got exposed, especially last year in the playoffs. Didn't want to shoot free throws, things like that. So that's tough, but I, I'm thinking I'm still sticking with Brad. So
2: one of his points was, and and I'm I'm gonna paraphrase this because I, I, I agree with it to to uh to a degree, and that is that uh Simmons is a facilitator. He's not he's not obviously he's not the thirty point game a guy that, that Bradley Beal is. But given the other guys on this team and the, the sort of the um you know, the talent you know, between Dinwiddie, uh we talked about Kuzma. Uh, KCP, you know, I mean, given the skill set of, of the other guys that were brought in, a facilitator is what's needed more than anything else right now. Now, it's an interesting opinion. It's an interesting take. I, 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 you know, I feel a couple different ways about it. And I do think that Ben Simmons has good years left ahead of him. It's not going to be in Philadelphia. He's got to leave there. But I do think that he can still be a very good player. But I just think also knowing what the way ownership works in this situation, this is their Ov. This is Ted Leonsis's Ov on the basketball side, and he's going to ride or die
3: with his Ov. Yeah, I agree with you totally on that one.
2: And, and and I think that that's probably why this becomes a moot point. But I, you know, when he when he brought it up, I was thinking, yeah, it's not a bad take. It's not an. I mean, I've heard worse for sure, but. um um, he's going to be somewhere else next year anyways. It's just uh, probably not going to be here. All right, we got one hour left. Don is with me. I'm Chris Naki. We're here till 9 tonight. We want to talk a little bit, bit about the WFT, where they're at, where they're headed on the other side of the break. You're listening to Overtime on 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app. Okay,
0: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.